0: Hello and welcome to Runners in Scoring Position here on UCCS Radio. I am Nate Jones and with me, as always, is my co-host with the most, Charlie. How are you doing today, Charlie? I'm
1: doing good. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing pretty well. It's, you know,
0: it's that point in the semester where, you know, I feel like you're slowly drowning and everything, but, you know, we're surviving right now. (laughs) How about you?
1: Doing good. Driving
0: as always. Yeah. Nothing new here. Sweet. Uh, We got a great show for you guys today. It's going to be a little shorter than normal. And... Which is
1: not our decision, by the way. <laughs> we love to deliver two hour long podcasts, folks, but there's been a certain radio manager, <clears throat> Maddie, who has uh, made us go short today, and that's okay. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, she chalked it all up to
0: load management. Load management issues. We feel yep. great, you know? Yep. So we don't know what that's about. You know, make we'll that's for the playoffs. You know, baseball playoffs aren't for a while, so I don't know where well, resting right now, but... We're stretching. Yeah. Slowly. <laughs> so we're going to start with around the horn today. Uh, Charlie, if you want to talk about this first... Speaking of, of a of guy who didn't stretch, Nate,
1: <laughs> New York Yankees starting pitcher Luis Severino will be shut down for the next six okay. weeks after an MRI revealed a grade two lat strain on his right side. Severino, who had a separate injury in spring training with a right rotator cuff inflammation, will not throw at all during the next six weeks. Severino recently signed a four-year, $40 million contract extension. And Nate, if anything could go wrong for the Yankees at this point, this is like icing on the cake. You know, with Stanton being out 10 days with that bicep injury and their bullpen is struggling like crazy and their starting pitching is doing horrible The Yankees just seem to be in kind of a tough spot right now. Yeah, They bounced back recently in their second place behind the Tampa Bay Rays. And we'll talk about the other team that's really struggling in that division. And hint, it's not the Baltimore Orioles. But Luis Severino has just seemed, you know, it hasn't been his year so far. I mean, this injury in spring training doesn't help. That'll push back his progression. Initially, Brian Cashman thought that Severino would be ready in early May with this injury that he suffered in spring training. But now May is completely out of the question. We're looking at middle of June, maybe early July, if everything goes well.
0: Yeah, that's tough for the Yankees, and it definitely hurts what's going on right now. And you see this, you mentioned it, the two A O list A L East teams that we thought were going to do really well this season are having a lot of early struggles, and this kind of helps the Red Sox more than helps the Yankees. It's just it's just another long list of guys on the D L for the Yankees right now, and especially their. Big production guys, the guys that they need a lot out from for the rest of the season. A uh, Six weeks without throwing is a long time, and it could definitely affect even when he comes back, too. have more rehab starts, uh, a lot longer in the minor leagues before he's back on the major league team. So tough for the Yankees. Hopefully he gets better soon. And, mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully it doesn't ruin, you know, hopefully they're not shopping around now.
1: <laughs> so during that six weeks, as I mentioned, there's no throwing at yeah. all. So you're not factoring in the rehab starts that he would have to do, whether that's going yep. down to Trenton and pitching there, or whether that's going to Scranton, or maybe even as low as Tampa, single A. That doesn't factor in at least the one, if not two, rehab starts. I mean, yep. we saw one well, next point we'll talk about a little later with Clay, Clayton Kershaw. He pitched in two rehab starts, and his injury wasn't as severe as yep. Luis Severino's. So we'll see how long it takes Severino to be ready.
0: Yeah, and it can get you out of the funk, too, because... You know, you're kind of in that mode of in the season. And when you're out of that, sometimes it can be hard to get right back in it. So, mm-hmm. all right, our next bit of news for all well, New York Mets. It is not Tim Tebow getting called up. We're going to hope for that every single week, but it's not this week. Uh, New York Mets ace Jacob DeGrom lost his record streak of 26 quality starts after giving up three home runs and six runs versus the Minnesota Twins. DeGrom's six runs given up were the most at September 5th, 2017. Degrom has gone thirty-one starts in a row, allowing three runs or fewer since April tenth last year against Miami. What a run! That is incredible, especially on a bad team like that. Yeah. Props to him. It was going to end eventually. All good things must come to an end. But yeah, pretty, pretty solid start to the season for Degrom for the past couple of years. Hopefully, the Mets themselves can help him. You know, win more games and eventually be on a winning team, because I think that's the goal of every player to so be on a winning team. Jacob deGrom didn't have a
1: great win-loss record last year, and we'll go back to our trustworthy stats department and yeah. figure out. But I believe it was either 13-9 and or 10-9, and and he posted a sub-2 ERA. Yeah. It was like a 1.7 ERA, which for Jacob deGrom is incredible, and for any baseball pitcher, I mean, that's insane. So right now he's not doing as well, 2.1 or excuse me, 2-1 and one win-loss record with a 3.1 ERA. A large part of that is has to do with the Twins and their offensive performance. A lot of the Twins players said that they didn't really feel the ball coming off the bat, and they didn't think it would be going so far because it was so cold and damp in New York. Yeah. That they just hit it, and they thought, okay, you know, it might be a pop-out to center, but instead it went 420 feet for a home yeah. run. Uh, Jacob deGrom did, in fact, go 10-9 last year with a 1.7 ERA, which is... Absolutely insane. Yep. Brings his six year average to 2.68 earned runs. Wow. But Jacob DeGrom, I mean, Mickey Calloway said, who's the manager for the Mets, we finally have seen that Jacob DeGrom is human. You know, and <laughs> for most pitchers, you know, it's three home runs and six runs would be, you know, like an okay, not great night. For Jacob DeGrom, that's absolutely terrible. Yeah. If you think about it, Jacob DeGrom, one of the best pitchers we have ever seen. I mean, as you mentioned, Nate, his six runs were the most that he's given up in two years, which is crazy. I mean, you think of any other pitcher who was started, they have given up at least six runs within the past year or two. I mean, even the good ones, ones, Clayton Kershaw, David Price, they've all had their fair share of bad bad starts. But Jacob DeGrom has just seemed to be smooth. All last year and all of this year, it seems like, and especially in 2017. But I don't know what else to say. I don't think this will be a big deal. I mean, Jacob yeah. deGrom, 2-1 and one right now on a 3.18 ERA. Half the league would take those stats. Half the league would take a 3.1 ERA. Oh, yeah. So I there's no cause for concern with Jacob deGrom. No. Nothing at all. Yeah. All right. Former New York Met and Philadelphia Philly Lenny Dykstra is suing former New York Mets teammate Ron Darling for defamation and libel. Following claims Darling made about Dykstra in his new book, 108 Stitches, Loose Threads, Ripping Yarns, and the Darndest Characters from My Time in the Game. Darling, former pitcher for the Mets, wrote that the former outfielder shouted racial taunts at Red Sox pitcher Dennis Oilcan Boyd from the on-deck circle before Game 3 of the 1986 World Series. Now, Nate, from my time and from what I've seen, Lenny Dykstra seems to be kind of a loose character. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, Ron Darling has done a lot of baseball announcing with uh, the New York Sports Network, and he's traveled a lot with the Mets, done a lot of commentating there. If I had to guess who I would believe more, and I'm not trying to play the game of who I would believe and who I wouldn't believe, I would side with Darling just because from what I've seen in the past, he seems a lot more rep. Reputable, he doesn't seem to be like a loose cannon. Seems pretty straight with the facts. Yeah. Dykstra, on the other hand, is complete opposite. He seems very unstable sometimes, and he seems very irrational, and not saying that I would assume that Dykstra would say that, but obviously, if obviously if Darling has counts about it in his book and has backed it up with facts, then I would side with him more if he has more evidence. You know, if Dykstra is just saying, oh, that never happened, then, you know, Dykstra said that he would file for a lawsuit against Darling and he's following through on his threat. So we'll see where this ends up in court. Hopefully this isn't a huge story. Hopefully they settle and they figure it out. But obviously this has been kind of something that's been developing for the past few weeks.
0: Yeah, very interesting. All right, next bit of news. New York Yankees are baseball's most valuable franchise at $4.6 billion. That is up. 15% 15% from last year's figure. Some notables are Dodgers at 3.3 billion, Red Sox right behind them at 3.2 billion, and the Mets at 2.3 billion. So maybe you know more about this Charlie, but what is what are they factoring in in this value? Are they factoring just how, you know, their payroll uh among other things, how much they bring in every year? Uh is it, you know, championships? I'm not sure exactly how they value it because it makes sense the teams up sure. there Except for the Mets. (laughs) Yeah. That one doesn't make sense to me. I
1: think a lot of it has to do with central revenue, which is the national TV money. Okay. You know, if they have games on ESPN or if they have games on MLB Network, that gets factored into it. Okay. Ballpark and local TV money. So if there's local networks, for example, the Twins, if they're not playing on ESPN or MLB Network, they'll play on Fox Sports North. So that's like the Midwest north area part of the country where Fox Sports does a lot of their baseball commentary area. And then as well as I would say ballpark money. So whether that be tickets, merchandise, selling anything like that, that's what I assume they go off of. Not 100 percent sure on that. Obviously, I'm not surprised that the Yankees and Mets are in there because the New York factor. Right. I mean, West and East side. You know, relatively, it doesn't matter where you're playing in New York as long as you says New York in the title. That brings a lot of brand nec- brand recognition, yep. excuse me. Same with the Red Sox. I mean, I would say Boston is not as big of a brand as Los Angeles is. Los Angeles is probably more worldwide and well-known in Boston. Nate, yeah. you could maybe disagree with me on that or agree. Yeah. But I'd say Red Sox, they're higher up more, I would say, for their talent and that they sell out pretty much every game at oh, Fenway. No. L.A. Dodgers are just kind of a staple. You know, everyone knows who the Dodgers are. They've known who played for the Dodgers, you know, legends like that. And the Mets, like I said, is just sort of the New York factor that plays along long into it.
0: Yeah, I'd figure, like, the Cubs would be up there as well because you also think when you're talking about especially TV contracts or just venue revenue that they're getting from their ballparks. Sure. Wrigley's a big tourist attraction because it's an old park. Fenway, the exact same thing. People will go to Boston just to go to Fenway because it's – that big of a deal and it's been there for over a hundred years and so i think that definitely factors into it the mets I, it has to be the tv money in new york and Absolutely. uh people going to those games because they definitely don't have the biggest talent I, they're not nationally known necessarily no i bet if you ask the average sports fans how many baseball teams are in the state of new york they'll tell you one the yankees right I don't or think... ask you how
1: many players you can name on the Mets. Yeah.
0: <laughs> which is I mean that's true. Oh, it's very true. Yeah. People probably learned about the Mets because Tim Tebow is in their minor that's league right. system. That's right. Yes. They're they're not that well known. So it's yeah. impressive that they're worth that much. And are they all, when they're factoring this, this is probably what they could sell the teams for, which is Yeah. Quite a lot of money. Absolutely. And you definitely see all sports teams, their values are going up for sure, but Imagine and the Yankees being sold for four point six billion dollars right now—that's kind of insane, yeah. and it's a lot of money. But you can also factor in that you know them keep owning the teams without selling it. They can probably make more just from owning the team, especially when they win championships. Absolutely, I yeah. think John Henry right now is very pleased with how probably the one sides. of the
1: richer mans in yeah. Boston. Fun yeah. fact about
0: John Henry: uh, we actually went to the same community college, uh, Victor Valley. Wow. Community College out in Victorville, California. He did not graduate because uh, he went on to make a lot of money and well, uh, do obviously a lot of fun not stuff. a lot of grit with John Henry. Didn't yeah. stick it out. No, yeah, he's not successful at all. He's yeah. not. I I was upset because we have a little like it's not the best, but a little hall of fame wall. Right. In, like, you're, and like our students it. and he's not on okay. there. Oh. Yeah, I I should be on there too. But, you should be. Yeah. You know I'm a award winning radio host. And but he's exactly. not on there, and I, I asked someone about it because I I did an event or something there, and they said because he like he won't recognize the college, they won't put him on Total. there. You have to find Total. it out through his like Wikipedia page. He grew up in the neighboring town of mine, Apple Valley, California, went to Apple Valley High School, and he's just yeah he hasn't really come back ever. But I think yeah. we're gonna have to put in a media
1: request to the Red Sox and interview him and. Just ask him, come on, Victorville needs you, and obviously you don't need them, so what's going on? Uh, talk about what you mentioned before. The Cubs are actually ranked yeah. fourth at $3.1 okay. so they're oh, that right behind. Sense. And yeah. then the fifth one I was kind of surprised about is San Francisco Giants. $3 billion, I think, okay, Giants haven't been performing that well lately, but then I think you're right, you're in AT&T Park. I mean, a beautiful spot, right on McCovey Cove. For a while, the Giants, up until, I believe, last year, two years ago, they sold out every game. Wow! And then once the That's Giants, even when the Giants became bad, they still sold out games up until, I think, either late in 2017 or early in 2018, the sellout streak stopped. But for a while there, sold out
0: every game. That's impressive considering Fenway, it's impressive that they sell out every game. But it's also a very small park compared to some of these other parks. I yeah. think it holds around $35,000, 36000 That varies depending on standing room and whatnot. But a park like where the Giants play is probably around 50000 at least. Absolutely. So that's a very impressive number. You also think about when you're... All these cities we're listing are giant cities. So I'm guessing sponsorships also factor into that. You, I have no idea what sponsors paid to get their name on Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium. That's a good <laughs> chunk of money. And it also helps that they're in the epicenter of these cities. You know, San Francisco, it's a big part of that city you think about, you know, smaller markets, they can't get the same kind of money that the Red Sox will get for sponsorship because one, not as many people go to the games, two, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> so you know, you, you can look at, you know, Tampa, I think, as one of those teams that they probably struggle a little more financially to get these big sponsorships just because no one also wants to go to that stadium. It's not a tourist attraction. Exactly. The team is also struggling. And I think you probably see numbers tick up when teams do well because more people go to games, watch the games, and so forth. But yeah, well,
1: I I kind of disagree with you on that because the Rays last year they you know they won ninety games, so yep. they had a good season last year. Fans just don't show up either way if they're winning or losing. It's just because Tropicana Field is not an attractive place to play. Frankly, Nate, it's a lopsided dome and it hasn't been renovated in years, and no one wants to go, and it's kind of out of the way of Tampa. Yeah. It's completely south of Tampa. It's in St. Petersburg. It's a hard It's a hard place to access because you have to kind of wind through these highways and exit off, and, and you know, right now, Nate, the Rays are in first place in the at East. So they're doing something right. The yeah. fans just aren't showing up. However, on one case, you know, at the Orioles, who are struggling completely, no one's showing up to Camden Yards. They have one of the lowest attended games in history, and I've been to Camden Yards, and it's a beautiful park. Oh, yeah. But they only drew 6,000 fans, and it's and it's horrible because, you know, every team is destroying them, but you would think fans would still want to show.
0: Yeah, because going yeah. to the ballpark's fun, it's entertaining, Fine. and we've talked a lot about their marketing, the Major League Baseball's marketing problem. This does not help. If, you, if you're watching TV and you see 6,000 fans, like, all right, I, I don't want to do one of those either. That's boring because these stadiums are giant. So 6,000 people, you could easily scatter everyone around to where you're nowhere near anyone else, unless the yeah. people you're with. So that's really disappointing. I'm actually writing a paper a little bit about how Major League Baseball and the NBA are kind of switching kind of spots in ratings and popularity. That's very true. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with one social media. The NBA has taken off on social media. NBA they leave Twitter. <laughs> yes, my business proposal is actually called hashtag MLB Twitter um, and how they could kind of create this culture because the NBA wasn't doing super well 12, 15 years ago. They're starting to lose traction. And then ever since social media has become this huge part, it's kind of grown a lot more. And a lot of that is the loyalty people have to NBA Twitter. And then people can kind of see, like, every night there's something going on in the NBA. And people watching that on social media or whatever are like, oh, I want to go there. I want to be a part of that. Yep. I don't think people are saying that about Major League like Baseball right now. unless it's, not. Unless it's the stadiums we've kind of mentioned with popular teams. You go to the Red Sox, Yankees. Those games always look fun because they're usually packed. And there's history behind that. I would not want to go to an Orioles or a Rays game right now. Because mm-hmm. it, it just looks boring and...
1: Well, it's not fun. It's not interactive. NBA, yeah. you know, more interactive. Absolutely more interactive because they make you feel like it's more of a fan experience and it's more fun. And well, I've said this a thousand times. Kids who are have shorter attention spans do not want to sit through a three and a half to four hour baseball game. Yep. They do not. They want to be doing anything else but sitting through a three and a half to four hour baseball game. And basketball max two, two and a half hours. Max, really. And kids are like, okay, yeah, I can watch this and it's more exciting. And, you know, I think if you pulled the average teenager, what would they want to see more? You know, Giannis posterizing some small point guard, or would you rather see some home run? The posterization is going to be more fun. There's a lot more action and you kind of gather in the energy of the other fans there because you're like, okay, that was sweet. like yeah. I, want to, I want to see that happen again. But with the home run... And if there's only 6,000 people there, you're like... It's like a golf okay. club.
0: and Now we're know. only
1: losing by 10. Oh, yeah. And nice. Tiger will
0: get a bigger round of applause from sinking a par putt than... Then stum- Mike Trout
1: yeah. will get a birdie, and he's
0: a yeah. 60-year-old legend, but still. And I think both sports have kind of changed. A lot of people have been worried about Major League Baseball. Too many home runs or too many strikeouts. That's always a conversation. What is too many... Is it hurting the league? Mm -hmm. The NBA has had to go through the same troubles with the three-point shot. There's a lot of old basketball heads that hate the three-point shot because they feel like it changes the game too much. The NBA has survived through that. You go to any pickup game now, and anyone under 20 is taking 5 to 23s a game because of the way the uh, game has changed on TV and uh, just the NBA in general. Major League Baseball still doesn't know what's better for them, more strikeouts or more home runs. And that's people have their own perceptions of it now because they haven't really figured out how to brand either one. And people are like, oh, there's too many strikeouts. That's why I don't want to go. Oh, there's too many home runs. I don't want to (laughs) go. So Major League Baseball has a whole lot of problems. I think they'll solve them eventually, but I think this is a roadblock they were not expecting in April of their season. I, I expected they... They'd probably struggle with this maybe in the summer, as they sometimes do. But, yeah, they were not happy looking at these attendance numbers probably. And,
1: and, and why would you be? I mean, yeah. there's no reason to be happy about
0: this. No. Absolutely no reason. Not at all. all
1: right. St. Louis Cardinals signed veteran third baseman and three-time All-Star Matt Carpenter to a two-year extension through 2021 with a vesting option for 2022. Carpenter is in the final year of his 6 year. million contract signed with the Cardinals in 2014. Carpenter has been very consistent for the Orioles. You know, he was drafted 13th round in 2009 MLB draft by the Cardinals from TCU. Debuted in 2011, seven games. Didn't too hot in 2011, but we can't really base it off that. Small sample size. His first big year is in 2012. 114 games, 294 batting average play sixth in the Rookie of the Year and then became an All-Star in 2013, 14, and 16 with the Cardinals. Matt Carpenter has kind of been that guy where if you need someone who has a good veteran presence and has a lot of you know experience and stories to tell you, he's the guy. He's definitely, you know, he's definitely not doing great this year so far, only batting 217, yep. didn't do too hot in spring training, uh, 172, but only played 12 games, so not... As I mentioned, not a huge sample size. It's got a pretty consistent war. Um, Had a 4.9 war last year, which is pretty good. So I think, Matt Carpenter, I think this is a good move. Obviously, it's not a major move. It's not like a Mike Trout esque
0: contract extension. It's kind of
1: one of those guys who flies under the radar, but has consistent production.
0: Yeah, awesome. And another uh, extension, we talked about this last week. It was on the show. There's so many extensions. but one week after creating the option to control Ronald Acuna for the next ten seasons, the Braves have given themselves a chance to continue be- benefiting from Ozzy LB's presence throughout the twenty twenty seven season. So they signed him to a seven year, thirty five million dollar contract. That's a pretty big extension. This and- is, I w- this is the
1: best contract extension. I seriously best contract extension that has been signed so far. Yeah. Signing a young kid who's twenty two years old to a five million dollar a year contract extension, is absolutely key. Oh yeah. It's huge. I mean, Ozzy was a second base. He was an all star last year, yep. right? And only five million bucks a year. That's a complete steal. Oh, such. Plus big they steal. have seven years, and it's a team friendly extension. And he's only twenty two, and Acuna is only twenty one, so. The Braves are going to be good. I mean, the NL East is going to be, I somewhat argue, and you could even argue this, that they're probably the best division in baseball now. Yeah. Because the Phillies are going at it. Bryce. Speaking of Bryce Harper and the Phillies, I mean, talk about on a hot streak right now. Bryce Harper is on a hot streak. And I kind of figured that would happen because Citizens Bank Park is more of a hitter-friendly park, oh, yeah. not as pitcher-friendly. And Harper just mashes to right field all day. Um, Albies and Acuna, they kind of locked in, you know, their infield and outfield for sure. Yep. This is a great move. There's nothing wrong with this at all. I think, great, great move. Yep. For the Braves, I think Albies is going to be kind of thinking back and thinking, did I really want to sign a seven-year deal for
0: five million? Yeah. I, and he's
1: only making five hundred and seventy-five thousand now.
0: Okay, so that's in his mind. That's a big raise, right? right. Coming off an All-Star season the way the money works in baseball, he could have at least gotten ten Absolutely. million a year for shorter. This so maybe he just wanted to he wanted to be locked down for seven years, but it really like I think seven years from now he's not going to be oh as valuable unless he's like if he's solid for the next seven years someone will give him fifteen to twenty million a year for at least two or three years but we'll see. My theory is I think the Braves kind of went in thinking okay we're going
1: to start with the seven year thirty five million dollar deal we're going to kind of go in here yeah. And they are just like, okay, we'll kind of see, you know, if we can go up and how much will we have to go up and They don't want to go up that much. And they gave it out there and Albies accepted it. And I probably, they were surprised at the seven year, $35 million contract. Cause like I said, that's a complete steal. If I were Albies, I would have looked at it and I said, okay, agent, you're fired. I'm going to get a new agent now because someone who negotiates only a $5 million a year contract for a 22 year old all-star Yeah, you're doing something wrong. I would maybe go back to college, find a different degree, (laughs) find a different profession, post some new resumes on LinkedIn. Yep. Because this isn't working for
0: you. No, not at all.
1: Horrible deal. And according to MLB insider Jeff Passan, he has said the Ozzy Albies extension might be the worst contract ever for a player. And this is not hyperbole. Um, Passan said he heard from executives, players, analytics people, and development side and scouts who are saying,
0: worst contract ever. Yeah, I wonder worst. what the Braves are willing to offer. Because obviously, if if an agent comes in and gives me this number for that kind of player, I'll be like, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, the where's
0: the pen? Sweet. So and as an agent and a player, I'd be worried if that happened. Like, hey, why are you so willing to sign so right super now? super quick. Yeah, so yeah. I wonder how that went down. If you were to fly on the wall, that'd be interesting conversation to definitely look at. Right, we're going to take a quick music break here, and then we'll finish up the show. As we said, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter show this week so we're going to take a quick music break here Uh, and yeah we hope you join us after the break you're listening to runners in scoring position on uccs radio hello and welcome back to the most illustrious show in college radio that's runners in scoring position i am nate with me still is charlie and we're talking baseball as always and we're really excited about some of this recent baseball news i'm less excited about some and we'll definitely see, but uh, it's a new segment. Should we be worried about if you want to start with the first bit?
1: Yes, and Nate, I would also like to add, I have breaking basketball news at the end of the show that I will break. Okay, very, very illustrious source. Very, okay, very good. All okay. right, should we be worried about now? This is a segment that I that we debuted uh today, first time, yep. and so we're just gonna kind of run through it. Sweet, so should we be worried about Chris Sale 0 mm-hmm. oh, and 3? The nine ERA. He was quoted yesterday after Toronto Blue Jays infielder, Lords Guriel Jr. stole home and sales said, quote, I have never been more lost on the mound, unquote. Should we be worried?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think one, he's not worried about anything. He has his money. He's good. He is as his World Series. He has his World Series. He he just signed a big contract five years. I, he's not necessarily worried. I think he'd like to figure it out so he doesn't get traded or anything like that. But it's a rough start for the whole Red Sox. You want your ace to not be 0-3 with a 9.0 ERA. Three starts in. That is like... That's bad. Your worst-case scenario. You thought you are going to have a much better starting rotation this year, and the one solid from last year is now all of a sudden not solid? It's a big question. I really think the Red Sox need to figure something out. And they'll figure it out, but... Before it's too late. You know, send Chris Sale down to Pawtucket. Do something. Figure out what's wrong. Really, I don't think... And I think a couple of players... They should not be figuring out this out as a member of the Boston Red Sox. Go to the minor leagues. The Red Sox have a great farm system. Bring a couple of those guys up while they figure out whatever's going on. Nunez, a couple other infielders. I think... Something, maybe it's a World Series hangover. I, I don't know what it is. The Red Sox need to figure something out. But talking about someone who needs to figure something out, it's Chris Davis. 0 oh, for a 52 now? Is that the newest? Yep. Sweet. Yeah.
1: Well, and I, I want to talk about Chris Sale a little more, and then we'll go into Chris Davis. But another guy who is struggling right now, and I've said this before, and I know the only reason he is up in Boston right now is because of his defense. Let's send Jackie Bradley Jr. down to Pawtucket, okay? He's batting 171 right now. 171, okay? And it's not like he's had two plate appearances, okay? 41 plate appearances, seven hits. Only one RBI, which frankly is not good. That's not good. He should be producing way more in the outfield, and the Red Sox need that. And maybe you could attribute some of Bradley Jr.'s struggles to why the Red Sox are last in the AL East and 3-9. and Yeah. Folks, the Orioles are in third place, okay? The Orioles, who are drawing 6,000 fans a game, are doing better than the Red Sox. That is not good. That is not good. That's a huge issue right now. Uh I yeah, but Nate, I don't think realistically Chris Sale, they would never option Chris Sale down. I know, okay, that's an issue, but Imagine you're sitting in Dave Dombrowski's office, okay? You're Chris Sale. I'm Dave, and I walk in, and I say, okay, Chris, we need to talk. And you're Chris, and you're like, okay, whatever. And I say, I'm going to option you down to Pawtucket. You would go ballistic. I mean, that would be such a horrible thing, even though it's more of, you know, sort of saying that no one is safe, right? I mean, that's what the Twins did a couple years ago with Miguel Sano. They optioned him all the way down to Class A for, for Myers, Which is basically sending a message to the rest of the team saying, hey, you guys better shape up or else you're getting sent down to AAA and enjoy the 12-hour bus rides and the box lunches. Okay? Because, you know, in Major League Baseball, everyone's flying high, riding high, five-star hotels, catered meals, everything. And so maybe that is a little bit of a reality check. Like, you need to work hard. Not everything is given. Because, I Nate, I'm not drawing all the Red Sox players into large groups or assuming, but I would say some of these guys heading into the year kind of just assume that everything would be okay and that they didn't need to work as hard because, okay, we got a Red Sox team. Nothing really changed except for the addition of Colton Brewer. We're just going to be the same team, division champs. We'll see how it goes. We're not going to work as hard. We're not going to put as much effort in. And I know the players won't say that, but you can't change a mindset. You know, a mindset has to be slowly and surely adjust it over time. It's not overnight that we're just going to change our mindset, right? I mean, someone lives with that mindset, and they live with that idea that the Red Sox, great team, great players, nothing has really changed. No one's gotten hurt, injured. Yep. It's sad. And, you know, frankly, I think Alex Cora needs to talk with Dan, Dom Borowski and say, what do we need to do here? We need to option someone big down and get the message sent to the younger players that no one is safe. Yeah, I think that'd be. And I and I know not to cut you off. I know it won't draw a great reaction with the fans because the fans are saying, "Why are you optioning Chris Sale?" You know, it doesn't make any sense. But then you got to think, okay, you don't really care about what the fans think. You have to do what is best for the team. And maybe sending Chris Sale down for a week or Jackie Bradley Jr. down for a week or someone else who's struggling just to kind of say, "Okay, reevaluate, get your mindset right, do something like that," just so they they understand, yeah you
0: know the gravity of the situation. yeah, so we kind of combine like we we're talking about Chris Dale. and the another thing are we should be worried about the Red Sox and I think so. Uh, no starting pitcher so far for the Red Sox has been credited with a win, all losses and no one has an ERA below six. David Price has the best ERA on the team right now with a 6.0 with one loss uh, right now, Rick Porcello has a thirteen point five ERA with two losses. What about my season. man
1: Eduardo Rodriguez?
0: Eduardo Rodriguez helped twelve point three eight with two losses. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right now, the best ERA for any pitcher for the Red Sox is Matt Barnes with a one point eight. Uh, he's appeared in four games, uh, but that's only in five innings of work, and he has one win. He's he has a win. Brian Johnson has a win, and Marcus Baldwin all have wins out of the bullpen, and the Red yeah. Sox, three wins. So they've not, like, had a lead enough for their starting pitcher to get a win so far. We should be really worried about the Red Sox.
1: Barnes Barn seems kind of be an outlier for this Red Sox team. Seems to be doing very well, yeah. which is, you know, not the case for everybody else. But now let's transition into Chris Davis. I f- you feel bad for the guy, right? I mean, yeah. 0 for 52, and it's not like, you know, this... Chris Davis is a guy from double A or triple A where the Orioles could say, okay, we're going to option you come back when you're ready or okay, we're going to cut you come back when you're ready. You can't, you can't do that with Chris Davis. He's kind of the mainstay for that Orioles franchise. Yeah. He's been there for a long time. I mean, you know, back in 2013, Chris Davis made the all-star games in the home run derby was just phenomenal. And Chris Davis, I would say is similar to Adam Dunn in the way that his average is Horrible. Horrible average, but he hits for pure power. Yep. And now, I saw a couple articles on this yesterday where, Nate, you're probably going to think I'm (laughs) crazy here, but I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Davis was considered for the Hall of Fame. And here's why. If you have guys like Harold Baines making the Hall of Fame, Harold Baines is not Hall of Fame worthy in any measure of the word Hall of Fame. And now this and this is probably a debate for another time, but Harold Baines, it seems with the way the Hall of Fame has been voting and with the induction of Harold Baines that they've gone from great to good in the way that they induct. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Davis, I'm, I am would think he doesn't get into the Hall of Fame just because his batting average is too low. Yeah. But Harold Baines, you know, at a 290 batting average... Didn't hit very, I mean, didn't hit very well. Six-time All-Star, but he wasn't inducted, you know, on the actual Hall of Fame committee. It was a Veterans Committee, and we could see Chris Davis get inducted, no, Veterans Committee or something like that, just because of his power numbers. So we'll see. I mean, Chris Davis, I think he'll get a hit eventually, and he'll, you know, start going again. It'll just take some time, right? I mean, it just takes time for everybody to warm up. Everyone has different... Stages of warming up, cooling down. I think maybe this part was just the more of a cool down period than others. He'll yeah. probably heat up the rest of the year. I can't imagine this thing going past.
0: Hmm, you think it oh,
1: No. Yeah. But. I I say it max over seventy, and I think once it reaches that over seventy stage, then I think okay, Orioles think cut him. We you know, eat that a hundred plus million dollar contract. <laughs> Or do we option him to Norfolk, which is the Triple A team?
0: I think they option him first.
1: Let him sit for a little bit. You know, maybe he tears it up in Triple A. Bring him back. Bring him back. Yeah, I think
0: that makes a lot of sense. But
1: then I think I think if it gets really bad, Logan Morrison bad. Where keep in mind, Logan Morrison hit one eighty last year. Okay. About hundred games for the Twins. Yeah. Where they think, okay, we need to release him. But I think the only caveat with releasing him is obviously that massive contract. I mean, you're wasting all of that money, and so we'll see. Uh, let's see. The New York Yankees, and we talked about them. We talked about them. Yeah. The injuries and the pitching trouble, now they are second place in the AL East. Okay. So not as much cause for concern as the Red Sox. Yeah. But I still
0: think there is a problem there. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. The Yankees, I mean, they, like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, injury problems, and we saw that with Severino. We've seen that with. John Carlos Stanton, pitching trouble. Bullpen has been terrible. Their starting rotation has been terrible. No one's been hitting great. Is it cause for concern? I would say not as much as the Red Sox. Yeah. The Red Sox for me, and Nate, you have a different perspective on this because you're a diehard Red Sox fan. Yeah. The Red Sox for me, it's troubling. It's very troubling. Oh, yeah. You're not, you know, in the first series anymore. Okay? Yeah. We're getting out sort of into the middle of April, end of April, where... Yep this is kind of setting the tone for the rest of the year. The Yankees, I think it's kind of unfair to compare them to the Red Sox now because the Red Sox haven't had any catastrophic injuries or any severe injuries so far. I would say the Stanton thing is not a big deal. Okay, Stanton is basically the Hulk. He can absorb a 90-plus an hour fastball to his bicep, yeah. no problem. The Severino thing for me is a little trouble. Yeah. You know, being injured twice within a span of six weeks and it's being out for another six weeks and probably won't make his first start until the yeah. middle of the season. That's concerning. I, I agree. I would say, though, it can be fixed because the Yankees do have a lot of good young pitching at AAA yeah. and throughout yeah. the minor league system where they can call up a starter, whether that be a guy like Chance Adams in AAA, who was kind of who's a young righty yep. from Arizona easily can be called up not saying he could fill Severino's shoes and there's very few who can do that, but he can kind of piece together what needs to be done when the Yankees, you know, come back to full strength. We talked about the Red Sox, this cause for concern. Obviously I think Alex Cora's job is safe. I think, I think it's safe. They added
0: him to a bigger contract extension. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I think if the, if this continues
0: next year or two or three, then it's cost for you need to make a switch. You win a championship in your first year, you kind of get a pass for the next year. Absolutely. In my
1: mind. Yeah, I think this is a huge dip though, and we've seen it with the Cubs. You know, I think they were kind of on a World Series hangover in twenty seventeen. The Red Sox might be on the same thing. I think the
0: Red Sox still go deep in the playoffs, though. I think there's too much talent for it to suffer. Oh, and I and I hope
1: you're right, and I hope they bounce back. But this yep. is not good. Being three and nine and being last in the division, It's yep. not good at all. So now we're gonna go over hot seats. I just have two guys who I think are gonna be on, who are on the hot yep. seats: Joe Madden, Dave Roberts. Yeah. Joe Madden's an easy one for me because the way I justify Joe Madden being on the hot seat is this Cubs team should be a dynasty. Yep. They should be a dynasty. I yep. mean, they had. They have Russell. They have Baez. You have Bryant. You have Rizzo. You had great young pitching. You have Wilson Contreras behind the plate. What else do you need? Yeah. Really? I mean, you should have won two or three World Series titles by now. Okay, winning one, and then having subpar seasons the next two years is not going to cut it for the Ricketts ownership group. Okay, losing a wild card game on your home turf is absolutely embarrassing. To a Brewers team that was frankly